that, Lord, we would be constantly learning and learning and learning of you. And we will never get enough of you. And, Lord, throughout eternity, we will only really get a glimpse of who you are and all that you are. We adore you, O God. And we thank you for removing the blinders off of our eyes that we could see the God of Isaac and Jacob, of Abraham, that we could see the God that Paul saw on Damascus Road, that we can see, Lord, and see how faithful you are, how loving you are, how gentle you are, how kind you are to us. Lord, we are your people, and we sit at your feet to learn from you. Would you allow your Holy Spirit to minister to us, to each one of us? Would you somehow grab our attention and draw us to your word? And Lord, we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be talking about pride. Oftentimes in church, you only hear about the negative pride. Now, I'm going to sit down, Miss Brown. She... She gave me instructions to sit, but uh, that's hard to do. But, uh, the thing about pride is that there's a good pride, but there's a bad pride. We're the ones that have to judge our pride. Scripture tells us to examine ourselves. And we're the ones that have to really look at ourselves and ask the question, am I doing this out of a selfish pride? Am I doing this just to be seen? Am I doing this just for me? Am I doing this to just show off and show somebody else up? What's the real reason you're doing what you're doing? Now, Scripture gives us a basis for that. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for one purpose, for the glory of God. Not about self, but for the glory of God. Now, good pride. Before we start into the text. I'm proud I'm a Christian. Every one of you ought to be proud that God has chosen you to be in the family of God. You ought to be proud of who you are, that God has created you and given you life. Nobody else has breathed life into you, and nobody else can take that last breath for you other than God. You ought to be proud of who you are in Christ. You ought to be proud that you have certain skills and certain abilities that is not of yourself per se, but of God. And God gives you those talents and abilities, and the question is, how far will you allow him to take you with those talents and abilities and skills? It's not you taking yourself up. Is really God taking yourself up. And you all be proud every time God opens a door for you. Because you know what God wants to do with you? He wants to show you off. You don't have to show yourself off. 
He'll show you up. He'll put his spotlight on you. He'll allow you to be seen. And you ought to be proud that God wants to show you off as one of his children. You ought to take pride in your work and what you do. That don't mean that you're the very best at what you do, but you know you're giving it your best, and you're proud of what you're producing and what you're doing and how you are affecting the lives of other people. You're proud of that. We need to learn how to be proud of who we are. Based on this even, from some of the places of where we have come from, All of us didn't come from good, nurturing homes, good, loving parents. But God somehow raised us up in all that mess of our life. He raised us up. And look where we are today. There are Three things that will really hurt you as a Christian. And they all basically. One is your ability to listen. Listening is so important. How many of you as parents tell your children sometimes, listen to me, listen to me. Listening says I'm open to learning. I'm open to learning. It says I'm open to trying to understand. It says give me more. But when you close your mind and your ears to listening to others or allowing others to teach you and in order to learn you have to be a good listener that you really want to listen and you want to go further. You want to understand more. And the second is selfishness. Selfishness hurts us. When the world is only about me, when I can't get my way and I can't do the things I want to do, And I'm going to hurt other people to get to where I want to get to. That's just selfishness. I don't have time for others. I don't have time for the wife. I don't have time for the children. I don't have time for friends. I don't have time for this. Because everything is about who? Me. And the only person I have time for is me. Is me. That hurts us. And then the other one is greed. We forsake everything else. The most valuable possession you will ever hold is Jesus Christ in your heart. The second most valuable thing is a cherished wife. And a wife that you know that loves you. The next thing is your children. Then comes everything else. But 
those things are vital, but if you shut those things out of your life, you wind up being a very miserable, miserable, miserable person to be around. Because you really don't understand love. You really don't understand love, and you won't allow people to love you. Whether it be the wife, the children, or those who are close. You'll run after greed. You'll run after money. You'll run after this. Missing the most valuable assets in life is in relationship with Jesus Christ, a wife, a husband, family. Now, understand this. When you ignore God's commandments and God's word, you ignore it. You bring consequences upon yourself. You bring harm upon yourself. When you choose to acknowledge God's word, you also bring blessings upon yourself. Open doors that you never thought would open. Places you would be where you never thought you would be. But it all comes out of this area of pride. Proud of who you are if you're a child of God. And now lying negative pride, if I may say that in a sense, that you think you are higher than God and you know more about life than God and you can choose however you want to live and God lets you do that, but you're going to ignore all what God has commanded how you should live. You hurtful consequences, painful consequences into your own life. Very simply said, when we pay attention to God, wonderful things happen. When you really pay attention to God and his word, wonderful things happen in your life. But when you choose to ignore God's word and ignore him and his warnings, a lot of bad things happen in your life. Where you are today, and that's all of us, where we are today in life, it comes from how we think or it comes from our obedience unto God. It comes to self-thinking, leaving God out of the picture, and I'm doing this on my own. I'm making my own way. I'm doing my own thing. I'm figuring out how to maneuver around the system and around the rules and around this and around that, and I'm going to find a way that I'm going to get to where I want to be and what I want to do is reach my goals, no matter how I get there. God wants to take all of us someplace. God wants to position all of us on a platform to speak and to show off for him. The question is, will we allow him? Will we allow him? to do that will we allow him 
will we be obedient to him that he can exalt himself in our lives. Now, go to 2 Corinthians 11. I want you to go to verse 3 with me. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 11. Because this can happen to any of us. And he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, you may think you are really something hot. You are you really made it. You've really gotten over. You are living very comfortable. You have done this. And, and somehow you think, I did this. I did this. And when you start thinking like that, I want you to understand something. You're being deceived. You're being deceived. By the cunningness and the deceitfulness of Satan. You're being undermined in your own mind about how you see yourself. And he goes on and he says that in this verse, he says, your minds may, be, may somehow be led, what? Astray. That your minds may be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That your mind might be led astray from your sincere devotion of Christ. Not acknowledging what he has done in your life. Taking him out of the picture and making yourself the main character in the picture. That you're the main character in your life rather than Jesus Christ. He said that your mind may be led astray. Astray from what? Astray from giving Christ the glory, giving Christ the praise, acknowledging the one who has really built you up, acknowledging the one who has really positioned you, acknowledging the one who has granted you the title, the one who has also allowed you to manage and understand that's all you are is a manager of his wealth, not your wealth. He says, your minds may be led astray. And whenever you think you have accomplished something without Jesus Christ, you have really accomplished nothing. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul is going to, in one sense, scold the Corinthian church because they think that somehow... They have arrived. They come to that place where they think they've originated something. And Paul says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the servant's cunning mind, may somehow be led astray. Then you get in that 1 Corinthians 14, you're able to see some of it, what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians. He says, did the word of God originate with you? Some of us think we are the authoritarian when it comes to the word of God. And nobody else has a right to an opinion of it, an interpretation of it. 
or a thought of it or a view of it. There is only one interpretation of God's word. But there can be many applications of God's word into our lives. The interpretation helps us form the application. How we're going to apply it into our lives. But we have to understand the interpretation of it in order to really know how to apply it in our lives. And Paul says to the Corinthian church, do you think you're the only one that has this knowledge? Do you think it began with you? Do you think that somehow God dumped everything just in you and nobody else? And he says, and he asks the question, did it originate with you? Did it just start with you? And the answer to that is no. No. There were other churches being planted. There's other churches that have the word of God. So what gives you the right to dictate that this is the right way? And that's what Paul's getting on them about. Did it originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? Are you the only people that are saved? Now, there are some people that are saved that, oh boy, their lives are all messed up. Where does God find us at? In the Maori clan. He finds us in the garbage. He finds us in places where we think we are really living. But he steps down from heaven into the Mari clay, as he says. When I was going through college, Bible college back in them days, I had a part-time job at the school. And uh, it was in the plumbing department. And part of my job sometime was stepping down into a sewer and getting, finding the pipe where I could feed the line through. And I remember one time I had an assistant with me, a young man that was supposed to be learning along with me, and we took the sewer lid off and I said, well, jump on down in there. And he kind of looked. I'm not going down in there. Well, we got to get the line into the pipe. And how are you going to find the pipe unless you find it with your hands? You got to feel for it. And I said, when you're done, you're going to go home and take a shower. You're going to clean yourself up. But right now, you got to get in there and find that pipe. And that's what Jesus Christ did with us. He came down into the sewage. He came down. He found us. And began to put life into us. As filthy as we were, he came into our lives. And he still 
cleaning us. He still got a ton of work to do in Gus Brown. Especially in Gus Brown's imagination and thoughts. He has a lot of work yet to do. And that's in all of our lives. And Paul says, boy, or are you the only people he's reached? If anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gifted, if that's how you see yourself, Paul says this, let him acknowledge. Let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. It's not mine. If you are spiritually concerning, if you're a prophet, if you know, if you know God's word, then you know what I'm saying is not from me, but it's from God. Is from God. And he says, I am writing to you in the, is the Lord's command, not Paul's command, but the Lord. Now catch what he says here. If he ignores this, if he ignores what? If he ignores Paul? No. If he ignores the commands of who? The Lord's commands. Now, that's a will. That's a choice. You can either acknowledge God's word or you can what? Ignore God's word. And the shameful part of that, most of the church today really ignore God's what? Word. But yet we say that we're saved. We say that we love him. But we're ignoring him constantly. Constantly. And he says, now, catch this. Catch this. If he ignores this, what? The Lord's commands. He himself will be what? Ignored. God doesn't force his word on anybody. God's not going to force you to listen to him. God doesn't force us to learn of him. It all has to be what? A heart thing. That you want to learn. You want more of him. You want more understanding of him. And you want to dig for yourself and have the Holy Spirit speak to you. Not so much pastor, Sunday school teacher. We're nothing but helps. But the one you really want to hear from is God himself through the Holy Spirit speaking to you as you open his word. Now, what we have to go to is simply this area that really allows us to run because we have to want to run for the Lord. In Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50, there's a word haughtiness, which is pride. And most of us say Sodom was destroyed because of its homosexuality. No, it was destroyed because of its pride. Pride what? That would not allow them to listen to God. Pride that would not entertain God in their life. Pride that shut God out of their life and said, I'm going to do this thing on my own. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to build my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it all without you. See, that is pride. That's pride. And it destroys us. So Solomon and Gomorrah was not really destroyed because of, boy, 
homosexuality, in that case, we wouldn't have no homosexuals around. It was not destroyed because of this sexuality. Boy, it wouldn't be too many of us around here if it was that case. Because of pride, they were destroyed. They would not listen to God. They would not entertain God's thoughts at all or God's command. So the word says, because of their pride, their haughtiness, thinking that they were even better and knowing more than God himself, that they are destroyed. And he moves on into Proverbs 13.10 then. This is something that happens between a husband and wife more than anything else. Until the children get a little bit grown, then you begin to see it start happening in the children. The children know more than the parents. And that's simply pride happening in that child's life. It's not that he really knows more, but he what? Thinks. The mind now says, I know more than you. You're old-fashioned. You're outdated. And now the child believes they know more than you. And it causes an argument between mom and daughters, moms and sons, dads and sons, dads and daughters. It's just that area where we quarrel. But what we're quarreling about sometimes or fighting about is our pride. The wife is called to be submissive. But the wife is the best advisor to a husband. Because if his ship sinks, what happens to her? But then men are called. And I was, a gentleman called me and asked if he could have lunch with me. And we went to lunch. And his, he let me know that He'd been divorced for over seven years, but if he was to start dating, what would be the serious things? What would really be there? And how would he know that if he really loved somebody? Two words. Are you ready to sacrifice and commit? Throw love out the window. Because we didn't mix love up with TV love and movie love. And that's not love. You have to know you're willing to make a sacrifice for that person for the rest of your life and you're willing to be committed to that person for the rest of your life. And the wife has to step into that role and the husband has to step into that role. The husband has to step in the role of full responsibility. I am caring for God's daughter. I'm caring for God's children. I'm caring for God. He has given me the responsibility to care And take care of that which he has created. The wife has to step over here and say, boy, he's asked me to submit. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to submit to him. Now, submission does not mean shut your mouth. Submission doesn't mean you can't have a word on something or your opinion about something. 
But what it does mean is simply this. After everything's weighed, the husband has to make a decision. In the military, you can talk to the captain, you can talk to the general, you can talk to whatever rank that it is, and you two can talk about something. You got your word, your view about it. But when that captain, that colonel, that general make a decision, then everybody else has to what? That's the submission. Now understand, in submission, you're not made to do it. It's a voluntary term that's used here. It's a Roman term coming from the Roman army that you voluntarily submit yourself to the orders of somebody else. But you do it voluntarily. You've spoken. You've given your opinion. And now the decision's been made. It's not what you want. Don't quarrel. Don't fight. Why? That's pride then. And you're going to argue it to death. Because nobody's going to do you like that. Nobody's going to just throw you off. You have a right to be heard. Nobody says you wasn't heard. Just didn't go what? Your way. And you follow. And you follow. Because God has made that man the priest of his home. And that man will give an account to God how he takes care of you, how he treats you, how he leads you. That man will give an account to God. But understand this principle also. A man needs to feel prideful that he can guide his family. Too many women have taken that from the man. And the man has allowed that to transfer over to her, that the responsibility becomes hers rather than what? His. And what he doesn't recognize, he's losing pride in himself. And when the man starts saying around the house, do what you want to do, just do what you want to do, it don't matter. He didn't gave up. He didn't gave up. He's not willing to fight or argue anymore. And men, we got to gear up, we got to stand up, we got to be responsible for our families, and we got to be proud of the position that God has placed us in. We're leaders of our families. That doesn't mean you're the boss, that doesn't mean you're the dictator. You are the example, and we lead by example, by our own doing. And when the woman really loves you, she'll follow. Based on this, she's not trusting you. She's trusting her God. That's going to order your steps. If you will listen. If you will listen. And he says, out of pride comes all this quarreling, all this fighting, even within marriage, even within friendships, even with employees and everything. 
Because somebody has to be big enough to say, no more. No more argument. But also has to be big enough to say, this is the decision that has been reached. And sometimes that's difficult. But that's what leadership is called to do. To lead. To guide. In America, we want everything to be a democracy. Everything's not up for vote. We were dealing with this Vietnamese family. Elaine and I, we was over having dinner with them. And this was some years ago. They had just come into the United States about maybe being here about six months. There were about six or seven children in that home. We never knew there was one child in that home. And Elaine asked the mother, how is it that your children can be so quiet? And she said, in Vietnam, out in the villages, the Viet Cong would come and take our children starting about nine years old. And we had to hide them. And they had to be quiet. But they had to move. When we said, go, they knew where to go. There was no time to talk about it, question it. They just had to react. And she said, they still live that way. We still live that way now. They know how to be quiet when other people are in the house. Why? When other people came into our village, they had to hide and be quiet. How many of us can go in our home and kids are just quiet? (laughs) Or you say one word, they respond. (laughs) And even kids at a very early age will learn to argue with parents. And what parents have to stop at a very early age, you don't argue with me. Now, if I say I want to hear your opinion of it, great. Why? You're giving them freedom to express it. Don't allow your children to just lamb blast you with their thoughts and their ideals. First of all, do what I asked you to do. If you don't understand it, let me know you don't understand it. And we can get the instructions right. We can get them clear. But we're not going to debate about it. Let me ask you something. On your job, how much debating do you do with the boss? My brother lost a good job on his 89th day at Ford because the other men, after they had ran their quarter, could go to the lunchroom, the rest areas, or whatever. But he didn't have 90 days in yet. Therefore, he was not in the union yet. So his boss tells him, You have to go work on another line. I'm not going to do that. They get to do this. I'm not going on that other line. I'm going upstairs. He got fired. Only had to just work maybe just another four or five hours. He had been in the union. The next day, everything would have been just like the other man. 
But his quarreling, his argument caused him to lose a very good job. Don't allow your child to argue with you while they're young. Teach them to be able to take a command. Teach them to be able to follow through with it without a great long debate. And you will teach your kids to trust you. To trust you. To trust you. And when they're older, because it was proven back here that mom and dad was right. And what mom and dad said really turned out to be good when they're up here. They'll still listen to you and really weigh it and most of the time follow it. Now, the second thing he says, pride goes before destruction. Pride will destroy a life. Pride will destroy a family. Pride will eat at you because you're fighting to have it your way rather than God's way or somebody else's way. And he says, pride goes before destruction. Before you're ever destroyed, your pride jumps up and you're fighting with something. In most cases, when pride is involved, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. One thing pride will teach you is this. When it's good pride, you don't have to win every battle. Bad pride can't lose, can't compromise, can't give in, can't walk away. That good pride, it doesn't have to win. Why? They're seeing the need of the other person. Not just who? Themselves. It's not about them. Now it becomes about the other person. To help build the other person. You know, sometimes people in leadership or in authority, they're trying sometimes to show their confidence and their authority and their power, even though they're misusing it in a sense. Somebody has to come alongside to help them develop how to use authority properly. Have to help them to understand that people are not always fighting against you, but people are trying to help you. People may have more insight in something than what you do. Just because you're the leader don't mean you have all insight. Just because I'm the pastor don't mean I can't learn from Fred, that I can't learn from Charles, I can't learn from Ryan, I can't learn from Roscoe. I can still learn. I can still learn, but my pride, I'm the pastor. I'm the one who went to school. I'm the one who know Greek. I'm the one who know a little bit of Hebrew. I'm the one who know how to research it. You know what God says with all that? Bunk that stuff. That listening allows us to learn. But pride always goes before destruction. Third thing, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In 10.4, Psalms 10.4, turn to it. Psalms 10.4, let's just read because it's so important to grab this one. 
and, and, and really put it in your heart and your mind and chew on it some today. The pride, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. What is he saying? In his pride, I have no thoughts about God. I have no thoughts about his word. I have no thoughts about his will. I have no thoughts about God. What have I done? I've excluded God. I've excluded God. Now, you have a right to go and pick out any car you want to buy. How many of you take time to pray about it? He said, I don't need to pray about that. I got the money. I can just go do it. But if you pray about it, you might be surprised what happens. Pray about it. Pray about everything. Pray. Pray, pray. What are you doing? You're bringing God into the equation. How long do it take? God, do you want me to have this one? God, do you want this to happen? God, shut the doors if you don't. God, either you provide. It don't take a half hour of prayer. But it does take a thought in bringing God into it. And seeking his counsel just for a moment. He goes on there in verse 4. He says, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. It's pride that keeps God out of our life. It's pride that says, I can handle this. I can do this. I can make a way. And we don't bring God in it until it's at the very, very bottom. Then we want to bring God in. And he says there, boy, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room, no room, no room for God. Sometimes you got to make room to give thought of God. Sometimes you got to slow life up that God can speak to you. You got it all planned out. You got all bases covered. But you have not involved God. And then when something doesn't work, rather than blaming self, you want to blame what? Somebody else. But when God's involved, catch this. When God is involved in your life, in your decision, God takes full responsibility of what's going to take place. And I guarantee you this, you won't be able to blame him if you obey him. And you'll see it come to pass. Why? God is not a liar. What God has said will come to pass. The key is this. Are you involving him and are you waiting on him? Or have your patience run short 
and you're just ready to act. And the scripture says, wait upon who? The Lord. If you look at 2 Timothy, and we're not going to go there, but on your time, you had time to look at 2 Timothy. Look at 2, and you'll find in the latter days that one of the main sins is pride. Is pride. Now, very quickly go to Proverbs 6, 16, and we're going to go through these seven things that God says he hates. And you're the one now that has to look at your own life and see where you fall in any of these. If there's an area that you think that, boy, God, help me. Would you have the courage to pray that? God help me. God deliver me. God rescue me from this. And trust him to do so. But be ready to obey what he says to you. Be ready to obey. Now, in Psalms, in Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to move pretty quickly through them, but you can take time at home, and it'd be worth your while to do it, to take each one of these and really just study it out and break it down for yourself. In verse 16, he says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Number one is haughty eyes. Haughty eyes. What is he saying, haughty eyes? They see themselves better than others, period. Prejudice is nothing but pride. A pride of thinking I am superior than somebody else. Don't matter who it comes from. A caste system is nothing but pride that says I'm better than this lower class. It's pride. And what we don't see is that we are all on the same plane. That's why the scripture says all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. He doesn't exclude anybody. All have sinned and come short. Haughtiness or prideful eyes are just stuck on themselves. They don't get enough of themselves. And they're better than everybody else. Now, this is not talking about the pride or the area of lying when we get into it. This is not talking about when we say a lying tongue. It's not about lying on somebody else. Guess who is lying to? Self. So the very second part of that verse it comes down to haughty eyes, a lying tongue. What is the tongue lying in? Who is it lying to? It's lying to me. I'm okay. You're okay. And we're both in a mess. I'm okay, but I'm hurting. I'm okay. I think I'm this and I think I'm that. 
I think more of myself than what I ought to think, as Romans says. I see myself above everybody else. I see myself better than everybody else. I see myself more deserving than what other people should have. Haughty eyes. But the lying tongue comes along and agrees with the haughty eyes. Yeah. And we lie to ourselves rather than speaking truth to ourselves. I'm in trouble. I'm miserable. I'm not really happy. I'm not really enjoying life. And allowing God then to lead you to that point. Why? Nothing never changes in your life until you speak truth to yourself. If you're a lazy person, you got to admit to yourself you're lazy before you change it. Everybody else can tell you how lazy you are. But you think you're very productive. You think you are really using your time wisely. You think that you're doing something great. But yet, in reality, you're just lazy. And you won't acknowledge it. That's the truth. That you will not see about yourself. And your tongue lies about you. Very quickly, third one. Hands that shed innocent blood. We see that all the time. These mass shootings, campus shootings. As the man, Magus, who killed his wife and son. Hands that shed innocent blood. Why? What have the person done to you? What have the people done to you? That 10, 15 people have to be killed by your hands or by your means. That's what he means by hands that shed innocent blood. Verse 18, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Do you sit and plan on your boss? How are you going to get rid of your boss? Do you sit and plan how you're going to get rid of an employee? Do you sit and plan how you're going to hurt somebody else? How you're going to get something from somebody else that is not yours? Do you sit and plan What kind of lie can you tell that makes that person look different to other people when they see them? That you're trying to bring somebody else down because they think they're too high and you're going to show them you can bring them down. A heart that divides wicked schemes that invents and make plans to harm others. Then feet that quickly rush into evil. No thinking. Most young girls get pregnant because there's no thinking. There's no thinking. Most young men rush into something and father a child because of no thinking. Where they could just stop a moment and think. My wife and I, we were comparing ourselves in a sense to younger people today. Because we do a lot of morning talk and evening talk here in bed. And and, and she said, you know, if I would have became pregnant before we were married, I can't imagine the pain I would have brought to my mother's heart. And we both kind of said, you know, when I wanted to, she said, stop. (laughs) 
in a sense, when she wanted to, I said stop. We learn to protect each other. And when young men and women date, they need to see somebody who is willing to protect their virtue, their values, their self-respect. Will that person stand up and protect you? And you're not there just to satisfy their need. But they're protecting you because they love you. And they protect you. Both of us, in a sense, from making a mistake that we're not ready for. Pride will rush you into things without thinking of what the consequences might be. That's why it says pride comes before what? Destruction. Because you couldn't see it. You didn't even think about it. You didn't even lay it out that this is a possibility that it may go haywire. It may go south. It may destroy you. It may hurt a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, grandparents. It may hurt them. But today in our society, we have become so immune to it that somehow it's becoming more acceptable rather than seeing it for what it really is. Wrong. 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 Feet that quickly rush into evil. Last one, false witness. That's when you lie on somebody else. You purposely diminish somebody else. You purposely tell the boss, they're not as good a worker as you may think they are. You don't see them when you're not just watching them. They really don't know what they're doing. When you're trying to tear somebody else down and you're playing as the witness to their life and you're going to destroy them with a lie, one of the worst things that you can do, now hear me, especially husbands, wives, whatever, understand this. this. It's okay to hear what a friend may say about your husband or your wife. But you know your husband, you know your wife. You want to always believe your husband or your wife until proven what? Different. Not on what somebody has said. They may have seen something, and in their imagination, they add a little more to it. I remember one time when I first started in the pastor, somebody had called Elaine. They saw Pastor Brown riding a woman in his car, and they didn't know it was my sister. You want facts. And when you have facts and truth, you're not lying. And it says a false witness. Don't become a false witness. Speak the truth. And our job as Christians is not to tear people down. It is to build people Our job is not to tell them what they can't do, but what they can do because all things are possible with who? With the Lord. 
Our job is to encourage them. Our job is to push them. Our job is to help them to become the best they can be for the glory of God. There's no second class among Christians. We're all first class acts. Because God is using us all in a different way. And what we need to do is push each other on. Encourage each other on. Help each other be the best husband that we can be to our wife. Women help the women to be the best wives they can be. Children to help their friends to become the best obedient child that they can be. Our job is to build, not tear down, but to build. And where will we find people at? Our job is to lift them up, not take them lower. Pride should not be negative pride, should not be in the Christian life. It needs to be fleshed out. It needs to be worked out. It needs to be removed. But that good, wholesome pride that I'm born again, I'm a child of God. God's working in my life. God is, Paul faces in Romans, I'm so proud to be a bondservant of the Lord. I'm proud to be a bondservant of the Lord. When you use the word bond, it's voluntarily. The bond servant pierced his ear and said, don't send me away after my seven years of service or my time of service. Don't send me away. I want to stay. Now, that don't make sense to us. But when you really know the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find a joy being his servant. I don't care if it's just mopping the floor. You will sing his praises. You will talk to him while you wipe the windows, while you do the toilets, while you do this. There will be something in here. Thank you, Lord, for using me. And I'm proud to be used in this fashion. Lord, thank you. Thank you for warning us about false pride. Thank you for helping us to see that false pride can be destructive. False pride can destroy us. False pride can hurt other people. But that, Lord, you called us, Lord, to be proud of who we are in Christ Jesus. You've called us, Lord, to be proud that one day, Lord, we will spend eternity with thee. And we're looking forward to that day that we see you face to face. We are proud, O oh God, that your hand rests upon us. And that we have a mind that entertains you and your word and your thoughts. Lord, would you continue to minister to us as we leave this place. Let us not leave your presence. May we be aware of your presence. May we be aware of your love. May we be aware of that which you want to teach each and every one of us. Let not our pride push away your teaching. Yes, Lord, 
Sometimes you're teaching us, as Peter says, we suffer for righteousness' sake. We're learning even though we're suffering. We're learning even though we're hurting. But Lord, you're right there with us. You're right there with us. Let us not forget that you have promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us. But you're right there. Help us to open our minds, our hearts, our lives to you. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I sing praises to your name.
sing praises to your name. As you dismiss.